Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing leading CISOs in the industry for a light conversation about anything from their favorite drinks to favorite vendor to key influencers, biggest accomplishments and failures, myths they like to debunk, advice they want to give out, and even some tips they can extend to the eager vendor who's knocking on their door. Join us for a light talk. I encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Welcome, everybody. Uh, today, we will be speaking to Liran Scheinbox, uh, a hacker by trade who turned CISO uh, pretty recently, I think about a year ago. Um, so doing a quick research yeah. about Liran, Liran has spent the last nine years in various hacker and research roles before transitioning into, into the CISO role over at Platica. Uh, and for those of you that, who don't know, Politica is uh, kind of a giant in the gaming space and maybe Liran can uh, shed some more light about that and, and maybe provide a, um, some intro about himself. Sure. So, um, yeah, um, as, you, as, as you said, um, basically um, a little bit about me, I'm 34 years old, um, been practicing technology um, in the last 16 years. So. Ever since the army, uh, we all done the, the same training route, I, I believe. Um, coming from a unit called Mamram, doing a lot of programming. And then in the last um, 10 years, I decided that uh, just programming by itself is not uh, sufficient for me. And I'm, uh, I find myself attracted a little bit more to, to cyber security. Um, and then uh, I pretty much did the entire um, round of things that needs to be covered by security uh, individual, whether it's um, doing a lot of penetration testing, uh, risk analysis, um, and, uh, and, and been searching for malware and, and been uh, uh, investigating uh, malwares and financial malwares and uh, a lot of reverse engineering, um, promoting a lot of education uh, and ended up in the last five years or something like that before I joined Platica to being uh, um, uh, in a partnership uh, which I helped to establish to a company that is focused around uh, automotive cybersecurity, um, some kind of a joint venture between VW and, uh, and uh, my previous company that I've, that I've worked with uh, called Cymotive uh, and, I ended up, and I ended up afterwards in Platica um, and, and yes, that's, that's a little bit of a, a, long, a long run in a, in a couple of uh, seconds. Um, a little bit about Platica. Um, Platica is, uh, as you said, it's a, a giant of, uh, of gaming industry. Uh, people might confuse it between um, some kind of a gambling uh, industry, but it's not. Um, it's more of a casual gaming, social gaming. Um, you can differentiate Platica uh, or split Platica into two divisions. We have the social gaming or social casino gaming, which are more based uh, of uh, lucky slots machine games and, and poker, uh, where people usually play for fun. Um, they either pay for, to get some virtual coins or get some a little bit more tones. Uh, and in the results, uh, we usually either give them a couple of uh, albums or uh, promote their ranks, but uh, we do not give handouts any kind of money. So this is the first division. And the other division, it's more of a, a casual playing, a casual gaming, where you find uh, games that are a little bit more, uh, more or less uh, looks like a Candy Crush uh, or some kind of a hinting uh, uh, games, find, find the specific item in the screen. Uh, and this is uh, 
one of the fastest growing uh, divisions that we have right now in Petica, one of our targets. Uh, and we invested a lot of money uh, in that division in the last couple of years. Thank you for the, the comprehensive uh, intro here. Two, two comments I wanted to mention. So you, you spoke about briefly about the, uh, the fact that you were promoting education. And if I remember correctly, you were actually one of the original trainers that we, we onboarded as part of our uh, internal training program to, to establish our penetration testing team. I think that was maybe six or seven years back. Um, and, and I also remember, and, and you mentioned Cymotive, which is a super interesting company uh, led by mm -hmm. even more interesting people. I think Yuval Diskin and uh, Safrir, oh. forgot his last name. Um, mm -hmm. So so definitely, and if I remember correctly, Cymotive was very focal, focused on pr providing penetration testing services for the vehicle industry. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. few things. It's it's uh it's Yuval Diskin's companies and Firkats and Tamir Bechos. Uh, I joined in the company on his previous routes before it was named Simotive. Uh, in the old glory days, it was named uh, DAT, Discount Advanced Technologies, and then uh, we built up the company from scratch until we received the. Um, um, and an offer from VW to get into a joint venture. Uh, and then I ended up, uh, we ended up to the new company and founded a new company, which now runs uh, under uh, two continents, I think even three. Um, and uh, the company is, uh, is still doing uh, a lot of things related to the automotive industry, uh, both by providing services and providing um, software development. So in a sense, they are focusing on red team and blue teams. The red team is the one that doing a lot of um, many services and hacking into the automotive itself and the backends, uh, trying to do like a, a more of a end-to-end -end holistic view, trying to understand how you can penetrate the vehicle, how you can penetrate the backend, what's the infrastructure that that's correlates between them. And like do like when, when you hold your phone, you know, and you, and you do the, um, and you do the unlock, so uh, you can like uh, exploit uh, the entire vehicle from, from the back of your phone and uh, do like a 360 degrees um, uh, to like full exploitation. And the other way around in the blue team, what they are doing right now is developing the security solution to prevent such thing to happen. So it can be either active mechanism as we know already in the IT industry, like IDS, IPS, and it could be like more of a, more of a proactive mechanisms uh, that uh, sniff the traffic or sniff the, uh, the, the internet and seeking for vulnerabilities and stuff like that. That's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very interesting company, very interesting people, by the way. Uh, you, one, of the, one, of, one of a kind skill sets and one of a kind people uh, had fascinating time though. Yeah, uh, let's let's uh, let's move on. Uh, I I always like to ask a couple of icebreaker questions here, although it seems that we've already like broken the ice. But uh, in terms of marital status, I think you mentioned that you are married. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually I'm semi-married. I'm with my spouse for eleven years already. Um, we are not married though, but uh, we have we have our owning property, so we 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 bought like a, our own apartment together. So for her, it's even better than, than having a, a ring. She owns right now a property in Tel Aviv. So she's happy, I'm happy. Um, and then um, basically we are just, you know, putting out 
um, to get things to get a little bit more, um, you know, right now in a more uh, stable situation that we can move on and maybe even engage in more of a, a marital, you know, ceremony. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. And uh, what's your favorite drink? I'm a scotch guy. I'm a scotch guy. I'm a single malt collector. Uh, I have... I think around 25 um, unique 20, uh, 25 unique single mats that I that I collect. Um, some of them are pretty rare that I don't open, but uh, I try. You know, back in the days uh, before the Corona, I, I used to travel a lot. I think uh, 40 times a year. So every time that I that I went out, uh, I used to fly. I used to to search for specific cells or specific continents continents with like specific uh, scotch and bought those. Um, so yeah, I'm a Scotch guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Also, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, single malt, malt uh, mostly the the Scottish uh, Scottish versions. Yeah, like all the glens. Um, okay, let's dive right in. Um, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. The intent here is basically to have an eye level conversation and to get our listeners to know you better and and you know possibly gain some insights. Um, what would you say the one thing you wish you'd known when you begin your, your career? So um, that, that's an interesting question. Um, I actually don't have anything that I wish I would have known, but I have something that I am happy uh, that I've done. Uh, and this is uh, that I never listened to my parents' advice. And I think uh, um, to explain it a little bit more, um, you know, my parents... I'm, I'm not long, uh, an only son, I'm 34 years old, but my parents are quite old uh, and they are still old fashioned. Uh, as I said at the beginning, I started my career in the army and uh, back the time when I, was, when I was supposed to get released out from the army, it was 2009, right in the period of the economic, the economic crisis. And uh, my parents are very, very, very old fashioned. They always approached me and said, why do you need to quit? You have like an amazing job. I got, I just got offered like a long-term contract from the army. Uh, I had like a, a clear out to, to get, uh, to, get uh, to, the, to the higher ranks in the, in the army. And uh, they thought it's like a, you know, like a, a solid uh, career and something that might be uh, good for me, that, no, that nothing would be better than that. Um, I was persistent enough and uh, now that I've been doing that, I was uh, also persistent in the le- next job when I was like 24 years old that I wanted to quit, you know, that programming, the first programming gig that I got and move to cybersecurity. So basically all around, I moved the opposite dire- direction that my parents want me to go. And uh, I think um, that is one of the best things, you know, listening to my intuition. Uh, that led me to the points that I am right now. Um, so I'm, 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 that's what that's what I'm taking away. No. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, that's very powerful, and I think uh, we're very similar in that regard. Uh, you know, listen to your intrinsic voice. I think it's very important. Um, but but you know, looking back, and we you have like 15, 15 years of experience under your belt, maybe sixteen years, if we if we combine the military service and and your your various roles in in the civilian world, what would you say your biggest failure was, and what did you what did you take out of it? So 
one of the, the things that I, I think still burns me a little, um, it was, I think it was six years ago, uh, one of the biggest company <clears throat> in the world approached me and asked me to join, uh, uh, to lead their cybersecurity department. It was a big position uh, that it was included a reloc <clears throat> relocation. And uh, still, it's still hard, it still hurts. Uh, but uh, uh, I was on their um, interview route and I, for, you know, surprisingly, I, I was able to excel everything. You know, I, I moved from interview to interview, coding, and a lot of, uh, you know, thorough uh, interviews. And at the end, um, you know, in those company, they want you to fly over and, and engage like the last rounds of interview face-to-face -to, -face to see how you go, how you're doing. Um, and they invited me. And I said stupidly um, that I want to take it from home. I'm afraid to take the vacation because I, A, I don't want to skip out and uh, take vacation days uh, for interviews. And B, I don't want the company that right now I'm working with to notice that. Um, at the end, uh, when we talked, uh, they told me that I didn't pass the interview. Um, they told me that I was, uh, it was like the, two, the final two uh, positions that uh, were, uh, I was one of the final two contenders. And they told me that there was something about the energy, uh, something that they thought that they were missing. And obviously the other one showed up there and uh, was able to meet with them and talk with them and greet with them. Um, and um, I, I, you know, they didn't say it explicitly, but I got to understanding that if I would have been flown there, I think the chance uh, could have been a little bit better and uh, maybe the table would have turned and, and I could have uh, gone into position. So it's not a, um, you know, it's a failure in terms of, uh, uh, of uh, professional failure, but more of a self failure, something that I, that I took in with. Uh, and it's still, I still remember that, you know, it's still, you know, it still hurts, even though when you, when you, when you experience it today from the place that you are today, uh, but I had a closure, so it was good. The company approached me like two months ago and they reached out to me and they wanted me to uh, to establish the same department again, but in Israel. But this time I, I, I turned them around and said no. Uh, I'm happy to play Tika, but uh, it was a nice closure for me to right now to, to be able to say to them no and to be honored by this position. But uh, I think this is one of the best memories that I have um, in failures. Yeah, it's it's amazing like how ingrained a failure can be as opposed to a success. You always remember failures much more so like much more vividly than, than successes, I think. But um, yeah. okay, I mean, I think if, if it were to happen today, the results might be different because, you know, nowadays everybody's accustomed to working through Zoom and, you know, it's, it's the exactly. way to do business. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, by the way, it's, it's, it's something that, as I said, it's not a professional one, but it's still, you know, it's, it's, I'm still hunted by that, but it's still driving me um, to the point that right now I know what they mean and I know and I got the hint what I need to do better. I mean, it took me... A, not that little time to to you know to uh, to wake up from from you know the broken dream and and make sure that uh, everything is well because it's it's like crushing your dreams um, and and you learn a lot from that even though it's not just professional. Yeah, yeah. And what would you say was your biggest accomplishment was then? So. Um, 
back to Saimotive, um, before we renamed ourselves to Saimotive, um, we had the company named DAT, Disk in Advanced Technologies. Um, so that company was um, a consulting service before we had like any product development. We were a consulting services that did work with uh, VW and others. And uh, I think um, the one thing that I do remember the most is uh, that we had like a couple of nice ones, but at the end, uh, we were running on fumes, on fumes. So we didn't have a lot of spare money left. And we know that we are, um, you know, about to break even in terms of, of financial statements and, and we didn't have anywhere else to go. And we had like very uh, engaging talks with VW about the partnership, but, you know, talking with a giant takes time. It did take a lot of time, you know, the processing and the contracts and everything there can take, you know, years. And um, I think I can, I can say, you know, uh, proudly that um, one of the projects that I led, it was a very strategic project that took 14 months. Um, we were able to lead that project specifically with one of those OEMs, those uh, automotive uh, providers that belong to VW, and narrow it down so much that we were able to squeeze out a lot of le leftovers to make that, uh, that cost reduce so dramatically to be able to afford us a few more months, and those months at the end, uh, uh, turned out to be the critical ones because at the last month that we had spare money, we were able to sign uh, the contract with uh, with uh, VW. So if we wouldn't have been saving that much money, we would probably been closed before that. So I take a lot of credit of you know being able to provide a company and working with them, you know, tightening up as much as we can in order to make down the, the agreement completed and form up the company. And I think uh, um, this is one of the best things that, uh, that happened to me in, you know, inside motive. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, uh, I think that's a very interesting story because I, I don't think a lot of, uh, you know, other employees in your position would understand uh, like that at the end of the day, cash flow is king. If you don't, if you don't have the cash flow, your I mean, businesses go under all the time due to cash flow problems, especially now in you know in the past year. But uh, okay, that that is very important. Know, and we know that consulting services is not that scalable as software programming. I mean, it's very hard to, to scale it. It's very hard to cheat on it. I mean, you can only make what you have, you know, in terms of persons. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it was a very tricky position, but um, uh, we, we stood there proudly. I mean, we, this is something uh, that uh, like we were very proud of in Semotive. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Um, the biggest the biggest thing that I would usually recommend to people in, in my age um, is to be technical. A CISO position tends to split into two, two positions. The one that are more of a, um, regulatory um, oriented and the ones that are a bit more technical service. Um, I believe that the, the better um, route would be to be as much technical as you can. I specifically uh, classify myself as the one that has technical depth. 
because when you are technical, you understand really the company needs. And when you don't chase certificates and, and don't chase any regulations, um, the other things come as well. So when you take out your, when you take, you take uh, care of your organization, uh, understand what are really the, the critical needs, the, both the business needs and both the security needs, the certification, the regulation, everything that is uh, in that order will come as well. Um, being uh, forcing to do something that uh, is uh, the opposite way around, we likely to be uh, chaotic on the business itself. So as advice, be technical, try to really understand how things work, try to understand how you know, the teams are working and really try to make uh, an impact on the company and, and try to be as, as fast as, and granular as you can be. Try to understand as much detail as you can and not specifically dive into one specific section. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting perspective, definitely. Um, you know, I tend to think and tend to, uh, when I talk with people that are just starting off, I tend to uh, provide the advice of, you know, trying to create um, as broader, as broadest baseline as you can in terms of, you know, realms of expertise. Uh, like, you know, <clears throat> I think, uh, thinking of myself, I, I, I did start as technical, but that was in the IT and, and you know, in the IT space then. Mm -hmm. And and later on, I moved to some somewhat to software development, but mostly around IT. But I do, I, I do agree with you that, you know, by having a broader baseline and, you know, knowing like, you know, knowing IT, knowing DevOps, knowing SecOps, knowing a bit about uh, software programming, that really helps you in, the, you know, in, in be able to talk to various uh, stakeholders in the company. Um, so definitely I'm in agreement with you there. Um, but still, it's an interesting, uh, you know, interesting, uh, interesting perspective that you have. Because I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure most CISOs would would agree with you on you know on that specific part of like be, being technical because I think the shift nowadays what what we're seeing is that you know CISOs uh, are conceived as part of the business and, and you know being able to talk to the C level executives, um, but um, but yeah I mean, I mean I do understand the merits of like you know having like hands on expertise there. I don't think it's any conflict. So I also talk with the C-level executives and I talk with the board and I talk with, with, um, with the high management uh, on, on a weekly, monthly and semi-monthly uh, basis. But being, uh, being able to understand what you're saying and not being like dictated by your team and be able to, to get your own decision and understanding really what's the pain there and not be driven by regulations which which have their own place. No, I, nothing against regulation. I mean, they are you know, the core and foundations of being of keeping an environment or organization safe and secure. Uh, but being on the top of things really can get you like into a better place uh, in terms of how do you see yourself and position yourself between other teams which are not specifically just the management. You know, being a CISO. It's, 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 it's a hands-on and, and it's one of the top priority to, to being able to, to dictate and tell the management what's going on, but this is not all. 
And I think that right now, when looking at the picture, I can see mm-hmm. specifically in Israel and with all respect to all over the world, uh, I see two types of CISOs, the young CISOs and the little bit more mature CISOs. And, and you can see the difference of technicalities between them. I mean, there are, um, there are people you know, in, in each side that have both, but you can see the difference between them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think, you know, uh, taking into consideration your, the, the answer that you just provided, I think that also partially answers my next question, which was, uh, w- what are your thoughts about, you know, the role of the CISO that's actually a part of the IT organization? Mm-hmm. I know there are so, pros and cons there and, you know, so please go ahead. Yeah, so, so I, and the, 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 I think the first one in the poll um, usually is the corporation. So being able to promote things internally and being handled and, and manage those in, in, on an internal cycle um, um, would, be, uh, would, would go a lot, a lot faster, faster than, you know, trying to dictate something um, when you are you know, on top of them or in parallel to them. So the cooperation is, is one thing that you, you can immediately feel the difference when you're on the same card and running on the same budget and, uh, and working together. Um, the cons, however, uh, when, uh, um, when you are not part of it or, or when you are part of it, um, when you are part of it, I'm sorry, um, is the priorities. So basically when you have something that is above you and is managing the entire IT and security is just one vertical in it. Not always uh, they want to take priorities in security. There are other more important in quotes files that needs to be shut down and other uh, more critical scalability issues that needs to be done first. And, and you still have conflict of interests, you know, being able to serve your department or let go for specific things that your your manager said okay yeah but but let's let's turn it around and let's let's ignore it for that uh, specific couple of months and let's focus it on, on that uh, on later time we can see it a lot happening you know because and you don't have the position to turn down that specific manager or that specific individual that works with you and when you are not working with him there is a, a, a lot more emphasis of what you can achieve and, and how people see you as an authority. Yeah, you know, I think personally, I think it goes back to risk management. As as long, and, and as long as the organization or or the the manage the, the the relevant stakeholder is willing to accept the risk of not doing something like immediately and you know changing the, the priorities, I think you know that's fine. It's it's part of you know doing business. It's part of managing the, the organization. Uh, but let, let's change direction for a minute here because I wanted to ask you a bit about like what were the best resources that have helped you along the way because you know I, I look at your resume and I see that you're uh, as I said you're a hacker by trade so I'm assuming that involves a lot of self-learning a lot of you know like um, um, yeah, basically self-learning and, and you mentioned like uh, maybe not chasing the certificate so I'm curious to, to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, so um, I also have a, a Bachelor's of Science. I did computer science, uh, I think, eight years ago already. Um, I can honestly say it did contribute almost nothing uh, in terms of uh, uh, extra knowledge. 
Um, as I said, I don't believe that much in certificates, but uh, I, it's something that my parents insisted that I will have, so I had it. Uh, but I got most of my knowledge, uh, as you said, by exploring. I was uh, an active bug bounty for years, for five years. I still do it uh, for some time. I was uh, on PayPal top 10 bug bounty hunter uh, for half a year. So I was one of the biggest achievers that they had for, I think it was the year 2017. Uh, and being able to, you know, to explore research yourself and, and you know, being able to uh, develop, even when the market developed by itself, you know, having been able to do like bug bounty when 10 years ago, it wasn't that obvious to make it, to do it. Uh, exposes you to a lot of uh, materials, exposes you to a lot of uh, environments, new technologies, and, and basically you learn. And uh, not learning also, you also earn money and, and you, you take a lot of you know, profit from that. And I think besides experimenting by myself, you know, trying to, to explore new, uh, new technologies and learning, uh, I think friends, uh, people that I was uh, fortunate enough uh, to work with, specifically in the security industry, working with a lot of you know big executives and, and big, heavy, uh, fast-minded CTOs and 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 and, uh, and technical people um, that focused me on the right direction. We, by the way, know a few of them together, Shaihen and other people that you know along the way uh, helped me uh, to reach to the place that I am right now. And uh, I think that's those two, or with the bug bounty and, and researching by myself, are the main things that help me get around here. Mm -hmm. And and I, I know you just alluded to that, but uh, you know, being a self-learning, but uh, no, I think no man is an island. I think that's the expression. Uh, can you name like, uh, and maybe you've named one already, but can you name like a few individuals that were really, that you consider as, you know, maybe mentors or friends or, you know, just trusted advisors that you really, you can say, you know, you can say something like, yeah, I contribute some of my success to them. Yeah. So, um, the, the first one would be Shai Fen. Um, I think he's like uh, the notorious CTO of uh, Hectix, uh, the company that I started working as a security consultant. Um, we are still in, in great touch. And I think many of the things that I've learned, uh, um, you know, are entitled to him. I think the, even the, the first the first interview that I went with him, he gave me the opportunity to work with him. And, and I think I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Um, and um, I think basically, you know, when I'm trying to remember myself back at the days in, in hectics, in, you know, in, in, in EY, uh, many of the people there uh, are the most significant ones and that contributed uh, to, to what I achieved right now. So it's either him and, 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 and my previous team leader named Oren Hafif, that one that uh, trained me. Uh, he's now working on Facebook. Yeah, I know and, him. Uh, and Nif Sela. Um, I, I think those are the people that I really looked up to um, back when I was a junior. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. I think those are. Yeah, good people. And and to those of you who don't know, uh, the company Hactics was acquired probably seven or eight years ago by EY. 
2000, yeah, so, oh, so 10 years ago by EY. Okay. okay. Um, is there, is there any one common myth about your profession that you want to debunk? Yes. Uh, and, and I have the fear that I am also, um, I'm using it, but uh, so it's, 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 maybe it's time to, to lay the grounds. Um, enough selling fear, fear factor uh, right now doesn't work. Um, I myself as a CISO uh, and as uh, somebody that owns the budget, someone that owns the budget, um, really into ROI, really into understanding uh, what a tool or a service could uh, bring my uh, company revenue in or what can really uh, improve right now our security posture. Um, being able to mention that if you will not buy this tool or that tool would probably expose you to this kind of threats or acts doesn't work, I think, uh, already. Uh, it didn't work at start. Maybe it worked started, uh, on specific individual cases, but uh, the market needs to shift to more of a business side to understand and translate what really the management, the people that manage me are interested of. Um, being able to see what really generates a profit or really saves um, the effort. Yeah. And I would refer, I would encourage our listeners to listen to the podcast I had with Ian Amit. He has a very, uh, I think, succinct and coherent way of explaining that through the podcast. And even if you follow him online, um, you know, the, the, I think he, 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 he talks a lot about the, like, like what's the best way to to uh, to integrate new products and services into your company? Uh, hint: It's never through a cold call, so he never chooses you know vendors uh, based out of that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right there. Um, uh, enough with the fear tactics and the scare tactics. I agree with you. Um, mm. What would you say nowadays are the main concerns that you know that probably occupy a lot of uh, a lot of CPU power in, in the brains of, of the of the common CISO, in your opinion? I I believe that uh, most of the CISO will agree with me. Um, right now, the the biggest pain uh, would be GDPR and everything that is related to privacy. Um, this is one of the biggest threats that we have right now. Uh, which is a global thing that we need to take care of. I know that my company um, and our team worked tirelessly for the past two and a half years to make sure that our environment is ready before we, we go live into IPO. Um, and uh, I think the second thing that it's very, um, you know, it's, it's not that far from it is uh, resource exhaustion. Um, because of we have lots of security products and lots of, of things that we need to take care of both by product security and by corporate security. And usually um, the resource allocation tends not to favor both IT and security, but favors development and, and, and marketing and monetization. You find yourself oftentimes swamped with tools, swamped with, with requests, with production changes and incidents. And, and the problem is that there are, you know, um, more demand to successful people or more demand to people and less people that are, are 
doing the same thing and you know being exhausted uh, by doing the same thing and not being you know doing a, you know getting like a backup um, uh, gets people off rather early so people walk away easily because they have like you know other temptations in other companies and 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 that's something that uh, scares the hell out of me yeah and i've seen that with other customers as well uh, you know the if you're unable to streamline uh, uh, you know, a certain vertical or streamline the business in such a way that uh, it's a no-brainer and you, you keep, you know, uh, you keep uh, putting a, a lot of tasks, like, like the same task over and over again on people's shoulders, that's when you know, they get tired, as you said. So I think really building a process there or processes actually and streamlining the business, that's super important, especially when you try to keep you know uh, like a continuous uh, mode of operations and compliance and and remaining like with your best security posture so it's super important in my opinion as well mm -hmm. can, can you share a bit uh, maybe quickly about your daily routine like what does a typical day look like for you nowadays yeah, so um, it's pretty much the same thing uh, with COVID and not COVID, because right now we're going to the office. Um, but uh, I'm a late bloomer guy. Um, I'm a, not a morning person. Um, my wife and I don't have any kids yet. So I'm fortunate enough to get up a little bit uh, later than usual people. I wake up at like seven or eight when usually people wake up a little bit earlier. I have a, a morning routine uh, where I usually for an hour lay down in bed and trying to do uh, a lot of catching up and updates um, in, in that specific hour, uh, but not engaging any talks. So just to consume uh, content and read news and read mails uh, and get up to date with all the activities that I have for an hour. Uh, and, uh, and by the time that I finish those, I usually uh, a little bit more energetic and start uh, being able to start to move. And I get, I get to walk. I usually drive to walk. Uh, I don't like to walk uh, from home. It's, it's, it's usually impossible. Um, I don't know about, but, but, about the listeners, but uh, we have, uh, when I walk at home, we have a very um, good allocation of, uh, of resources. My wife takes the entire house and I'm uh, closed up in a small room. So I prefer to go to work and uh, walk from my office. Uh, so uh, usually I work for the office. I end up the day, at least the office day, at around seven. Um, meetings uh, usually are, are done uh, by six, six thirty, and then I get the, the last uh, things of business uh, done by seven. And I work out a lot, so I work out four times a week. So if I'm not working out, I try to meet up with friends. Um, day by day, usually uh, um, we have a lot of mails and meetings uh, in, in the middle. Uh, and uh, by the time that I get back, um, it's around 10, 11, and me and my wife sit down. She also uh, and works in the high-tech industry, so she also gets, uh, get, gets back from, uh, from work a little bit late. And uh, we eat, we talk, and uh, she falls asleep around 12, and I try to fall asleep at around 2, 2.30, and sleep like a decent six hours, six and a half hours uh, uh, of sleep, and uh, do the same thing again over... Uh, by uh, the tomorrow. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, thank you for sharing that. And uh, I, I'm not sure many listeners can uh, can relate to what you said about your wife taking uh, like the entire house. You know, it usually don't doesn't happen. Uh, but um, uh, anyhow, uh, let's let's uh, shift gears for a moment. If you could step into my shoes as the CEO of a consulting group, or maybe consider other vendors for for, for that purpose as well, do you think you would have you'd uh, ask yourself something different that uh, I might not have asked myself. So uh, I think I think um, the first and, 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 and foremost question is, is what are you trying to accomplish, or what is what is your biggest driver here? What's 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 the purpose of uh, why why are we here together? I mean, in case of uh, of uh, if we're trying to sell something or if you are into a specific product really trying to understand the problem, really trying to understand the driver behind it and not just selling stories or just selling the specific idea of what you're trying to approach. Uh, um, I think that's the, the, the interesting or the most, the most interesting question that, uh, that can be asked. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So more clarity about uh, the problem domain and, you know, obviously, you know, talking to CISOs, that, that's my way of understanding that better. Yes. Um, now, talking a bit more about vendors, uh, what's the most uh, annoying sales pitch that you've encountered? Uh, okay, so let me uh, let me think. Um, so I had it, it's not it's not that of a sales pitch, but yeah, I, when I, when I think about something that really annoyed me, um, there is one big specific things that I have encountered that, that I don't forget also. Um, we had uh, in one company that I worked uh, an incident, one breach, um, that we thought that uh, our company's information was stolen. And uh, we were asked to verify that with a third party. So we given out the, the, one of our third parties our information to handle. And that third party was 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 you know exploited and was taken over. He has like a, his account was broke, and uh, we were went went to investigate uh, if there was any in any signs of information leakage. Uh, when we talked with that specific provider, a he didn't know anything about security, so he promised that uh, he will bring the top-notch expert. Uh, in the field to help us to investigate him. So we will be act as his, as his liaison uh, to see what's going on. As it, as it turned, he, he, he brought in one of uh, uh, a sales-oriented guy um, that uh, instead of trying to give or hand out information, the entire speech that he gave our security department was he was the top on the industry and he knows better. And when we asked him to provide something, he simply refused and said that this is not, not, doesn't work that way. But according to his knowledge, everything that he's saying right now is the secure way. And we need to trust him that uh, right now, the security protective mechanism that he, he placed in should have been a, 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 a securing uh, for any uh, future incidents. So it was like a, a constant fight between us asking so evidence to investigate and him explaining that it doesn't matter what happened in the past, but it's, it, it matters what happens in right now. 
So internet, internet war internet, never mind about that. We don't have any logs. We are now safe. Forget about the internet. We don't care if the information was leaked out. We are now secure. And it was mm -hmm. horrible. Yeah, it sounds a bit condescending, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so what it is that you are looking for in a vendor? Because I'm assuming you work with vendors, correct? Yeah, so I'm, I'm working with a lot of vendors. Um, an interesting story about that also resembles to the question that you asked about a couple of questions before. Um, so when when I'm working with vendors, usually I, I but I understand when people do the sales pitch and and they have to do it and it's okay. Specifically myself, I, I usually when people honestly say, "Can we skip that?" I usually say, "Yes, let's go for the demo. Or let's go enough about the data, enough about the terrain. We know we, we approached you." Uh, but one interesting story that I had to say is um, um, we walked around with uh, uh, on engagement with uh, uh, on identities in our company. Uh, so we have like a big strategic project in Petica, identity management, uh, 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 identity access management project, and we interviewed a lot of suppliers. Uh, one of them individually, which I would not, um, um, you know. Um, and, and disclose the name, uh, we were reached out to him and we were asked for him if we can do a demo for us about the platform. Uh, it was a very known platform, very known provider um, that, you know, goes by name, something, someone that, uh, that um, usually has a lot of clients. And the problem was when we reached out to one of the vendors, uh, he didn't do any kind of uh, background uh, background research about the company. He thought maybe, I, I presume, he thought that Petica is something that is very small in Israel, that doesn't worth uh, that much as we worth right now. So he answered us in mail, not even replied to us by a phone call, that unless we are committing uh, for a contractual agreement, he does not going to do any demo for us. He only he first wants to see a contract and us committing to the price that they want uh, that they want to, to, uh, to provide us. And then they will show us a demo of how the system really works. So just as a notification, we have never seen the platform. We know about it. We have seen it, but not, you know, by the provider itself. So um, that was very shameful. <laughs> and the, the, specifically that pitch ended uh, uh, the minute that he sent out the mail and we, Term, terminated that engagement on the, on, the, on the very start. But that's um, when you look at, at someone, uh, I usually um, have respect to all people that approach to me, have the same respect back that if I'm approaching to you, uh, try to do your best and, 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 you know, and present what you have to present. Well, with all the stories I'm hearing, maybe we should uh, have another podcast in place called Vendors from Hell. I don't know. I'm, I'm, do you have any any other CISOs in the industry that you look up to? So uh, uh, there are not any specific names, but um, as I said, uh, I really adore the young CISOs right now. I see that the, most of the unicorns that we see right now in Israel, the unicorn companies, have young CISOs. Uh, we have a couple of groups that we are talking about together. Um, all of them have pretty much the same background as I do, coming from the big, the, the, the same technical knowledge uh, and have the same agendas. 
um, uh, and, and, and you know, I learned a lot from, from them, seeing what they are doing. And, uh, and I think the generation itself, I mean, the, the, the young CISOs, the people that really sharing, love to share and love, love to, to very much understand what they are doing. Um, right now, the, are the people that I'm really looking forward or looking up to. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for that. And we'll take this offline. We might be able to connect you to a, to, to another group that, that has a lot of CISOs in it. Um, mm -hmm. Sure. How can vendors connect to you in a non-intrusive manner then? Uh, you know, I don't think they can, uh, but it's not in a bad way because um, when you position yourself as a CISO um, and a vendor approach to you, even if it's not in an intrusive way, you will always, always think of it as something that he's a vendor was in trying to sell to me. I'm in a perspective that I don't mind. I mean, that's their job. They're getting that. They can pay for that, and it's okay. So, if you want to connect with me, I think the best way would do um, to reach out via LinkedIn to send a message. It's okay to send a couple of messages and 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 even mails. I respect that. Just don't call directly to my number or don't try to add me on other social medias because I usually try to separate those between my business uh, activities. But uh, I think I have, I, I mean, I don't have any problem with, with you know, with, with sellers and vendors trying to reach out via LinkedIn. I really try to, to answer to all of them, even if it's not interesting to Platica at the moment, I try to say no to people that I can't provide answer at the moment. So that's, that's, that's the way. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if our other listeners, not necessarily a vendor, would like to connect with you online, should they be using LinkedIn as well? Yes, yes. So uh, I'm not just an, uh, that active guy in other platforms. I have a Facebook account, but I usually uh, use it for, you know, getting into groups. Uh, I don't have TikTok. I don't have Instagram. I don't have any other things. I have my Twitter, but also I just uh, consumed content from it. Uh, so LinkedIn would be the, the best way to, to connect. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Uh, is there any any single most important thing that you can point to that you you consider to be most uh, uh, important in your career? Never be uh, full. Always strive for something better. Always strive to do a little bit more. Uh, try to be active as you can. Um, to myself, and, and this is my myself only. I, I call it the couple of ways to measure my, my happiness with the place or my satisfaction with the place. I call it a whiny time or for other listeners that are in the, around the world, CNN time. Uh, when I see that I sit and consume more than like 30 minutes a day of, of news or social media, uh, that means usually that I don't have a lot of work. And uh, this means that something needs to be changed. Either it's, I need to, to push something a little bit more, or if it's something that's going very, um, um, uh, very persistent, that I might need to change even the position itself. Uh, I like to be occupied. I like to drive things up. I always um, am trying to look at the targets at the end, what I'm trying to reach, whether it's by position, whether it's by driving the company itself, or whether it's by as, uh, 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 my own accomplishment in something and always, always, you know, being in eyes of the target and, and, and try to strive for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, 
Thank you for that as well. Um, do you have any favorite, like, or any inspiring books or movies or whatever TV shows that you watch or listen to, uh, like recently that you'd like to share? So I'm a shark fan. I'm a shark fan. Uh, I'm also specifically, you know, if it was in other world or another universe, uh, I would be practicing in real estate. This is uh, one of my biggest uh, aspirations. It's something that I work with in, in my spare time. So I'm uh, I'm a lot more interesting uh, in uh, to spend my 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 hobbies in in trying to uh, locate the real estate uh, um, um, properties, whether it's in Israel or around the world. Uh, and uh, as a specific TV shows. I always love to see other entrepreneurs. I specifically love the Shark Tank in the United States because uh, you can really understand how Shark thinks. And I think it's the, the closest reality that it's not, you know, trashy. It's really um, give you um, creative ideas, creative minds, you know, it shows you a little bit more about the entrepreneurs around the world and show you how Shark thinks. So I'm, I'm a constant uh, follower and I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and what, uh, let's say money was never an issue or did you have any, any thoughts about what you, you would do with your life if, if money was not an issue? Professional gamer, for sure. Mm, well, professional gamer. Yeah. That was fast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I actually, um, before I became, you know, it reminds me, I know the, the, the first thing that I've done, you know, uh, before I even got into the army and, you know, I did study computer science and everything. I was one of the first professional gamers in Israel. Uh, I played the Anarchy Tournament 99. Oh, I remember I that. Like a, I, and I had like a group, I was second place in Israel for, for quite some time. And I even had a group that was seven place around the Europe. We played, you know, with ISDA. We had like, like the horrible thing ever. And, and being, working, you know, being, doing a, 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 or playing game as a professional gamer exposes you by default to a lot of things people might write back in the days didn't, didn't know, uh, whether it's by configuring bots in IRC or moving to our discussions in specifically IRC and programming bots getting an administration administration accounts over specific gaming servers and exposes you to a lot of technologies by default. And, you know, my first attack that I've done was actually at that age, specific uh, uh, 16, when we had like uh, one of the matches against an Israeli team and we wanted, you know, the opponent not to show up. So we just pink flooded the, the hell of the one of competitors. So we, all of us, you know, send like pings specific to the server that we know that uh, people are going to log in, and um, you know, and by that cre creating what like a denial of service attack, basically. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if I had the time, I really uh, go back to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Actually, I have a friend who runs a, a gaming company in Israel. It's called Overwolf. He's the yeah, CEO and founder of the of that company. Yeah. Sounds mm -hmm. like a. Sounds like a great gig. Uh, well, I guess, I guess, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. And I guess we're, uh, we're a bit over the time that we allotted for this. So uh, let me take this opportunity to thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really thankful that you, you took the time, you know, I know it's right, like what, 
10, 20 p.m. right now in Israel. So thank you for taking the, the time to talk with me and hopefully your insights and and, and the value that you provided here would, would resonate with some of our listeners. Uh, and, you know, we'd be happy to, to keep in touch and feel free to reach out for anything that you, that you might need. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Liron. Thank you for joining us for another episode of CISO's Insiders. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more professional content, please check us out on social media.